Hello, and welcome to Philosophy Talk, the program that questions everything. Except your intelligence. I'm John Perry. And I'm Ken Taylor. We're coming to you from the studios of KLW San Francisco. Continuing conversations that began at Philosopher's Corner on the Stanford campus. Today we're talking about public philosophy on the radio and on the stage. Ken, when we first thought about having a philosophy program on the radio, a lot of people questioned our intelligence. Well, they might have, John. I mean, lots of people think there are many reasons such a program couldn't possibly work. No one's interested in philosophy, the topics are too arcane, the level of discussion too abstract, even for public radio. But you know, Ken, we've recorded over 200 programs. We have lots of fans wherever we can be heard on the radio. We have many more who listen through the internet. We have a huge Facebook community. Our Facebook community is bigger than the Facebook community of most public radio stations. And no station that has ever decided to carry us has ever been sorry. We owe our success to you, our listeners. You are interested in philosophical topics. You are tolerant of abstract arguments. And, most of all, you are willing to forgive John's bad jokes. I'm glad we didn't question your intelligence. We think of our audience as listeners on the radio, but things really aren't so simple. We do a lot of live performances. We, we've done a whole series of programs at the Marsh Theaters in San Francisco and Berkeley. We've recorded shows at lots of universities, from Oregon and California to Louisiana and Delaware. We've done shows from the U.S. Capitol Building and from the Smithsonian Institution. And today, we're going to play some excerpts from those shows for our radio audience. The live performances have a little bit of a different feel to them than the, than the radio shows, Ken. For one thing, we have someone to screen calls on the radio, but with a live audience, we have no idea what the next person who steps up to the microphone is going to say. And we've had some big surprises. So let's hear some of what we're talking about. Our first excerpt comes from a program recorded at the Marsh Theater in San Francisco. Allison Gopnik is a UC Berkeley psychologist and cognitive scientist, and she was our guest... And the topic was from the minds of babies. Allison's book, The Philosophical Baby, argues that children see the world as far more than a great blooming, buzzing confusion. Rather, they do some of their most intense and skillful learning from the very beginning. Which raised a deceptively simple question for one member of our audience. Welcome back to the program. I'm John Perry. This is Philosophy Talk, the program that questions everything. Except your intelligence. I'm Ken Taylor. Our topic, the minds of babies. Our guest, Alison Gopnik, author of the best-selling The Philosophical Baby, What Children's Minds Tell Us About Truth, Love, and the Meaning of Life. And we've got lots of questions from our live audience. Welcome to Philosophy Talk, ma'am. Thank you. I'm Andrea from San Francisco. Okay. So you're talking about babies having an incredible ability to learn and absorb, and I really like the language as an example. It's very hard for me to sit down and learn a new language in a couple of months. So maybe you don't know the answer to this question, but what happens to us after we're babies? Right. Why do we lose this ability to learn so well? Excellent question. Yeah, this is the, if babies are so smart, why are we so stupid um, <laughs> uh, question. Uh, and in fact, one of the interesting things about babies is that we have childhood and babyhood at all. An interesting evolutionary question. Why are we so helpless, so immature, so useless for such a long period of time? Does any other animal 
creature have anything like our childhood as a proportion of their life compared to us? No, that we're way off on the end of the distribution in how immature we are for how long. And of course, <laughs> at Berkeley, we're even further. Yeah. Um, uh, but the moral of that is a good moral, which is that um, it also turns out that the longer the period of immaturity of a species, the smarter, the more flexible, the more that species depends on learning as an adult. I mean, one of the things you say in your book, which I, 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 I really like, but in some ways it's kind of startling. I don't think you quite put it this way, but babies, babies and grown-ups are, in a way, different kinds of animals. Exactly. Right? It's like we're two species in one because the, the, as grown-ups, we've got to stay on task. We've got to stay focused, right? And all this wondering attention, the seizable attention that babies exhibit would be ruinous because uh, I know this myself, because I haven't got <laughs> it for our adult lives. But but being like an adult as a baby would be ruinous for your task of trying to figure out who you are, where you are, right? Exactly. So one of the things I say is that it's like the transition from caterpillars to butterflies, except they're the butterflies who get to flutter around and explore, and we're the caterpillars oh. who have to hump along our little narrow adult path. So the answer to the question is the kind of intelligence that we need as adults to be able to, say, do long-term planning, imagine our future goals, save up for our, our lives, and very importantly, take care of those babies, have enough resources to keep those babies going. Um, that kind of intelligence isn't the kind of intelligence that would be the best for learning as many new things as possible. To hear the rest of this program, head to philosophytalk.org. Thank you for listening. And thank you for thinking.